Welcome to another episode of Double B Creates. Today you've got Kevin talking to Nate Awad. We've got uh, quite a few things in common, the two of us, and uh, I'm excited to talk about uh, some of these topics today. So anyway, how you doing today, man? Doing good, man. I'm uh, happy to be on the call. Um, looking forward to uh, connecting and, and talking about, you know, what we've gone through and, and things like that. So yeah, me too. I uh, I was going through a list of people I know, and I was like, who would be interesting to talk to? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, who would who would have a killer story? And I think uh, you were one of the first person I was like, oh, you know what? I just talked to this guy not too long ago. Let's uh, see how he's doing. So, anyways, uh, what is it that you do, and why do you do it? Yeah, so. Um... What I do, a little backstory on me is I've uh, been sober for, uh, it'll be 13 years uh, this July and um, got clean and sober back then. And then kind of was lost for a couple of years, just trying to white knuckle it, stay sober and things like that. And then a friend introduced me to CrossFit. Um, so it's exercise program um, and fell in love with that. That kind of helped me advance in my sobriety. Um, cause, uh, you know, we destroyed ourselves using and drinking. So I thought the, the next progression was to get my health under control. So got into that, fell in love with it. Um, at the time I was working in restaurants, bar, you know, which really wasn't conducive for a recovery journey. No. Um, so fell in love with CrossFit. I got certified, did all those things, um, ended up opening two CrossFit gyms that I owned for about eight years um, and then got into the online space and started helping people, you know, kind of all over with my online uh, coaching space and business um, and really just kind of was out there to help anybody and everybody, because there's a lot of people that need help with their health and losing weight and, and, and things like that. Um, but the people that really drew to me and seemed to, we seem to have the best connections were people in recovery. Best friends are recovered alcoholics and addicts. Um, you know, and the people at my gym, if they were going through recovery or dealing with something that was usually, we had a really good connection. So then I started to, when I started the online business, started looking into, you know, how can I help this recovery community? Because through my experience, um, you know, I was lost. I didn't know how to take care of myself. It took me a couple of years to just finally get to the point where, okay, I got this sobriety journey, I think, you know, but I, I'm, I'm feeling stuck and fitness and nutrition and, and, concentrating on advancing my health um, kind of gave me a sense of purpose to get further down in my sobriety, if that makes sense. So that's kind of how this all came about. And I created this business and company called Jacked Addicts. And um, it's a focus on, you know, taking the recovering alcoholic and addict uh, who may be feeling stuck, who may be feeling like their health isn't where it needs to be. And this helps them identify the struggles that they're having and then 
helps them get to a place where we are concentrating on becoming as healthy as possible, mentally, physically, and emotionally, so we can thrive in our sobriety. I love it. Um, Brad just joined us. Hey, man. nice to see you. Nice to meet you as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Nate just gave us kind of a rundown about uh, how he's been sober for 13 years, got into CrossFit, he opened two CrossFit gyms and now is in the online space um, with the Jacked Addicts community. And the uh, the Jacked Addicts, I liked it a lot because like it, it kind of hit me personally just like right at the right time because um, in November I announced publicly that I was going to go sober and I did the 90 and 90 at uh, AA and um, started doing some of the steps and stuff like that. I didn't actually go through all of them, but uh, then uh, you sent me a message and then I started following your group and I was like, you know, it, it all kind of clicked to me. Like not only was I unhealthy mentally because of this addiction that I was facing uh, it really like, I would wake up, start drinking and just kind of sit around and not do shit <laughs> and uh, kind of let my body go. You know, like I was out of breath walking up the stairs, which is ridiculous. Yeah. So um, started, started being a lot more physical as of lately, but uh, I like that whole model that you have with, with jet addicts. And I think that the, the name is absolutely perfectly fitting. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, 13 years sober in July, what, uh, what's the story behind that? Uh, like what, uh, what kind of led you to, to changing and, uh, going sober? Yeah. So, you know, talking to, you know, so many recovering addicts and alcoholics, as I'm sure you do as well. It's, uh, you know, the stories of people, how they went through hell get through their own personal hell, reach back and help others. Um, there's just so many incredible stories out there. And in mine, um, alcohol was my main drug of choice. Uh, I wouldn't turn down much though. Early on when I, I probably first started drinking when I was 15, did psychedelics, you know, acid, mushrooms, ecstasy, things like that. That was just kind of here and there, but alcohol just kind of stayed true. It is something that I always, always did smoked a lot of, of weed. Um, and then alcohol just kind of took over and I was a functioning alcoholic for 15 years, you know, something like that. Um, and it was always, always there for me, but then probably the last two years of my active addiction, I really got into cocaine as well. And it turned into, I would wake up with the hangover with the bottle of Jack Daniels next to my bed to kill my hangover. And then I'd get drunk in the morning and then I'd get high. So I would, you know, sober myself up as I, as I would say, and then I'd get high and then I'd start drinking again to bring myself down from being so high. And it was just this vicious cycle. And then, you know, broken home, um, divorced, uh, couldn't see kids for, years, um, 10 years probation, um, assault charges, interfering with 911 calls, uh, four DWIs, um, in and out of jail, um, 
you know, I really didn't stay in jail for long periods of time, but it seemed like I, I was always going back. Um, and then my last stint in jail, it was just, you know, that was it. And I tried time and time again on my own and I would always end up back in jail. Truck would be repoed, lost the house, um, burnt bridges, destroyed all relationships. My parents were kind of who hung on. Um, I don't really know why, just probably because they were my parents. But I mean, I put them through some hell. Uh, my wife now, who was my girlfriend then, she separated from me just because I was a huge mess. Um, and, you know, we eventually got back together, which is an, another another story for another time, probably. Um, but I was in last stint in jail, sitting in the middle of a jail cell, one that's for a person that they're worried is going to self-harm themselves. Um, and I was, I was free and God did all the things for me that I couldn't do for myself. Um, and I was sitting in the middle of that jail cell, the demons were swirling, screaming at me and I was, I was safe. And I was free. And at that moment in time, um, I never had a desire really to drink or use again. And so I sobered up at that moment and got clean at that moment. Um, I put myself in AA right after that because I figured with all this law issues and, and things that I had going on um, and in trouble and, and all of those things, the judge was either going to make me go to AA anyways. So I was thinking to myself, you know, maybe I'll jump the gun and that may be get him and get me in his good grace. So I went to AA for about a month, got a sponsor immediately, still great friends with, with him. Um, but after a month of AA, I, I really, I still felt uneasy. So I actually, my mom helped me get into a, a rehab um, here in Euless, Texas, probably about an hour for, from where I am now. And I did a 30 day uh, rehab stay. And, um, and I felt like I really kind of, okay, I got this. And I never, after that stay in jail, that, that was it. That was the time. And then, um, yeah, had typical struggles like we do, you know, dealing with your emotions, and not drinking and doing drugs and actually interacting with other human beings, not fucked up and, um, that, that took some time to, to learn. And I was really uneasy in my own skin for a long time, just holding regular conversations with people. I, I was always in my own head of thinking, you know, am I saying the right thing? Do I look at them in the eyes? Do I look down? Like, and talking to myself while talking to other people just doesn't really go over well. So I would never really concentrate on what they were saying. So it, I was super awkward and for, for a couple of years. It took me a good while. Um, and then that took me to, you know, finding fitness, finding CrossFit, which is really community based. And that was kind of like, uh, you know, really where I kind of started to flourish is finding passion with that and then finding passion with helping others. Um, so that's kind of uh, my, my story there. I've, uh, I've noticed, and this is, this is my uh, personal observation, is I, I had started drinking when I was about 16, and I didn't drink 
all that much like it didn't pick up until maybe 20 21 mm-hmm. um but i completely quit and i had smoked at the time and and i was drinking and everything when i was doing mixed martial arts i was training uh, i want to say five days a week mm-hmm. uh for i think three hours a day at least and right. eventually i just quit um i was completely clean and that was my main focus was the gym and i'd noticed like oh i'd have one beer i'd be fine and then the next day in, in the gym i felt like crap like mm-hmm. i could tell that it affected my workout so i just totally quit um and that that's one thing i wanted to just point out is with physical fitness it uh if you really have the drive to have a healthier like physical body i think that it really helps um what's the word suppress uh some of these addictions and Mm -hmm. even the thoughts because uh, a lot of like even now with me uh the other day i was like man I, i could probably go for like couple beers no 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 don't even like just get it out of the head like stop it because <laughs> that's where it always starts with me is is always in my thoughts right but uh i know if i do it you know it's not only gonna it has a possibility of doing that spiral you know that uh infinite loop that we like to put ourselves through you know <laughs> oh yeah so um no i think i think physical fitness has a tremendous impact on recovering and sobriety and all of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, we attach ourselves to, you know, once we get clean and sober and we get rid of the drugs and alcohol, we find ourselves attaching ourselves to still destructive behaviors. A lot of us will, will keep smoking cigarettes. Mm -hmm. Um, We will down energy drinks, pots of coffee, uh, some turn to porn, uh, food addictions. Um, so we're, we're still attaching ourselves to these destructive behaviors because a lot of it it's, we're taught like, Oh, we got rid of the really bad stuff. So, you know, this isn't as bad, so it's, it's good to go, but that's still affecting us in a really negative way. Um, so part of what I do is we want to put in more good, uh, eating, right exercise, non-exercise activity, leading a healthy, active lifestyle, um, concentrating on improving your sleep, um, working on stress management, your mindset, you know, hydration, all of these just basic foundations of, of health and wellness. And we start incorporating these things and, and making time for them, prioritizing them in our life. Then it, it starts pushing out either the bad stuff that we're already doing, or there's no room for bad stuff to come in and just staying focused on improving our health and wellness we're less likely to inclined to want to do those types of things completely agree yeah i uh i could agree on that i i did a lot of power lifting when i was younger and i got hurt enough to where i just decided to be done but I wasn't smart enough to stop eating the amount of food that I did to keep up with it. And so I can, I can agree wholeheartedly with, with the food habit. And my wife could attest to that too. Cause you know, I'm more of, you know, meats and pastas. Well, I don't want any vegetables. And so she's been, 
I'll call it training. She's been training me to eat my vegetables more and eat healthier. And uh, some guy's like, why would you do that? I'm like, well, because I'm dumb and she's a whole lot smarter than me. And I'll give you that one. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. that word training. That's a good mindset. Oh, yeah. Our wives are always training us. Yeah. And that's, you know, just over the years of coaching and training, uh, power lifters, they, they love to eat and um, they move big weights. And I've, I've seen that. And I've worked with several that have been in your shoes. Maybe they injured themselves and they can't do what they used to do, but they still think they can eat the way that they want to eat. And then usually they gain a bunch of weight, get overweight, they get unhappy, depressed, things like that. Because it's hard for, for us to not think that we can do the things that we used to do as we get older. And it's humbling. And you always have to be evolving with your mindset, you know, in sobriety, in life, and everything that you do. You, you can't think that you can just stay the same as life goes on. There's things that you've got to adjust. And, and you always, always say, lead an examined life. Always be examining what's going on in your life. You know, weekly, I examine how my week went. Where can I improve? Where did I struggle? You know, what did I do really good? What can I continue to do really good? So just living and examine life and not just you examining it, the people around you, you know, asking, you them, awesome. asking them advice of, you know, how, how do you think I am, I'm doing as a person, especially uh, advancing in your sobriety. And because we usually suck communicating um, where our attitudes are all or nothing. And that can be really, uh, tough on a relationship you know we have just because we got rid of those things that we were addicted to the drugs and alcohol we still have the addict brain mm -hmm. and you can see that in every area of our life you see it in my the way I eat I'm very calculated and I have to have my foods and I have to it's got to be it's all or nothing if I have stuff in the house that isn't good for me chocolates or desserts or things like that um I'll start off good a couple of days. Um, you know, I can control it. And then it starts to get a little out of hand. And then I'm like, shit, I got to get it out of the house. So then I eat it all. And then I'm like, okay, it's out of the house. And then I go to the store again and I buy it again. <laughs> Same cycle. I, I got to have it out of the house. And it's either my relationships, you can see it in the way I work out and my fitness. Um, so we all, we will always have that brain and it's unique but we can use our addict brain for for good you know it's it's kind of like a superpower and usually recovering alcoholics and addicts they're high performers they're successful in whatever they do after they get into sobriety um because we've we've been through hell we know what that looks like we've made it out so we're we're very humble um but we also it's almost like we get a second chance of life I don't know if you guys uh, show Peaky Blinders. It's, you know, kind of racy and stuff like that. But uh, we were watching it the other day. Um, really good show, by the way. And uh, it was really profound that they talked about. Um, it was around World War I. And Tommy Shelby, the main guy, he's like, well, you know, we should have died in this experience there. So now everything else from that moment on is extra. So he made the best of what he had. And I feel like that's similar to us. You know, 
we made it out of our addictions, which not everybody does. And you guys know that. So it's almost like what do we have after that is almost extra. Like we get, we get a second lease on life. And I think that mentality puts us in a unique position to be really successful in the things that we do in life. And I'm not talking success about money or anything like that, but just a mindset of, of, of moving forward in life and being appreciative for the things that we have um, and being present with our loved ones and just having a unique perspective on life. It's really just inspiring to see, you know, those types of things go on with all of these stories that you hear. I completely agree. Um, and uh, I had, I had a point in the question. <laughs> uh, both of us attended AA um, and I've heard a lot of different opinions about it. For me, it helped, but I didn't follow the program to a T. Everyone kind of harassed me to like go get a sponsor immediately. Mm-hmm. But like my story wasn't that bad. It was the, just that I was drinking a lot. Like I was still functioning and everything like that. Um, it was starting to affect my health a little bit or a lot and my wife had started kind of mentioning <clears throat> that I may or may not have an issue is when she said something I was like okay let's let's fix this yeah um a year prior to that I had tried it on my own um, I lasted three weeks it was like three weeks on the day um so AA helped me quite a bit but uh I wanted to know like your opinion on they there's there's a uh, it's not necessarily a stigma, but there's like this weird thing around phrasing because some people will say I'm a recovered alcoholic or I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic or mm-hmm. um, I am an alcoholic, <laughs> you know, like yeah. uh, some people say that you can be recovered and some people say that you can never be recovered. You're constantly recovering for the rest of your life. I just wanted yeah. to know kind of your thoughts around uh, that phrasing. Yeah. And I actually had a conversation with somebody the other day about it because I'll use recovered. I'll use recovering. Um, I'll still say I'm I'm an addict because I I truly believe that we are because you can see this behavior in in a lot of areas of our lives. um, Even when we take the drugs and alcohol out. Um, But I'm, I'm a big proponent. Like there's no one way to get sober and clean. You know, everybody's journey is different. I was kind of like you, AA really helped me out. I didn't finish the steps either. Um, I just, I got it. Even my sponsor is like, I mean, you know, you got it. And it was divine intervention for me. Um, And that's truly the only way that I can explain it because the desire and everything was just taken away at that moment in jail. Um, And it was never really an issue for me again. Um, But um, I was probably in AA for a year, year and a half. And then that, so that it got confusing because when you introduce yourself, you know, I'm Nate, I'm an alcoholic, things like that. I'm recovered or I'm recovering. Um, I, I don't think that really matters as much as, as that you're, you're doing it and you're sober and you're clean and, you know, if, if the word recovered works for you or recovering helps you along the journey that you're on, then 
I don't think that there's anything wrong with a different type of verbiage because sobriety looks different to everybody. Um, just, you know, talking to everyone out there, uh, nobody's path is, is the same really. And I think as long as whatever you're doing is helping you advance in your sobriety and keeps you from using or drinking ever again, then uh, you can use any type of verbiage that you want and you won't, you know, disappoint me or, or I won't tell you a way it's right or wrong when you shouldn't be using that verbiage, you'll get in trouble or you'll end up using again or whatever that is. Um, I think as long as you are advancing your sobriety and I mean, improving your health mentally, physically, emotionally, improving your, your mindset, trying to become as best a human being as you can be and just loving the people around you. Um, I think you'll continue to get further and further away from ever using or drinking again. Like I said, we put in more good than we don't really have time or room for that, that bad stuff. So it was interesting because I had a, a conversation with a lady the other day um, because somebody got onto her about saying she was recovered. It's like, well, are you recovered? She's like, well, yeah, I feel like I am. <laughs> okay, then you are. So, That's why I asked that. I've seen a lot of people kind of get attacked for saying recovered. Uh, yeah. Cody Rain's a perfect example of that because he got really big on, well, not really big. He's, he's fairly large on TikTok now uh -huh. for, uh, for helping. Um, he started the morale army and uh, he's been like supporting people in like fitness journeys and stuff like that. And then he made a video about how he got sober and now all of a sudden everyone's like you're not recovered you can never be recovered and i feel like he's yeah. constantly defending his position I'm like, just leave this dude alone let him say what yeah. he wants to say right <laughs> as long as he's not you know falling back into like going through liver failure and dying on the table again he's you know whatever <laughs> verbiage doesn't matter yeah because <laughs> it could be a lot worse than uh calling ourselves recovered or recovering I completely agree. I I like how you how you said you put more good in your life than the bad. You're gonna eventually get away from the bad, and I think one thing people don't understand is it it doesn't mean just the food, does just the actions. It does mean it's everything in your life, whether it's people, it's activities you're doing now. If you're going somewhere and it's reminding you of it, you got to cut that out. I I like that um how you stated the more good you have the better you're going to be and further because i think people focus too much on that negative part yep right yeah they get caught up in in the person that they were um and i think that just keeps them stuck always thinking about that person that person you know yeah that was you but that person doesn't really exist anymore you know you've you've done the th things you've made the changes like you said, you got rid of, you know, some people, places, things. Um, we've done the work to get sober and, and clean. Um, and then all you're doing is, you know, if you're always thinking about the past, um, that brings on depression, um, sadness, you know, if we ever think about that. And it's healthy to know that, but we don't, we don't need to dwell on that because that puts us in a really bad place because those memories hurt and they're there um, but they made us who we are today and then on the other spectrum if we're always thinking about the future 
you know, of what's to come and, and things like that it brings on anxiety. And, and if we're always, if we got one foot in the past, one foot in the future, then we're just pissing on our present. And I, like that. I really I think, like that. I think that we get caught so deep into what was and who we were then, and then really caught up into who we, we wanted to become because the past is already gone. It's dead. The future is not here. It may never come. So we have to practice and, and remain present. And I think that's that one piece right there has probably helped me advance in my life more than anything else. It's helped me with my relationships, my business. Um, and uh, it's really kind of rang true. And I, I just see people suffering from, from thinking about, you know, what they did in the past and then thinking about what's to come in the future. Um, so um, I think if we can remain present and just appreciate and have gratitude for what we have, um, I think we're in a much better place. And when, we, when we started talking about dwelling on the past, I had two thoughts come into mind and my, my favorite scene ever, and it just recently became my favorite, is in The Lion King when Rafiki smacks Simba in the head and he says, oh, what was that for? And Rafiki says, it doesn't matter. It's in the past. <laughs> like it happened already. Get over it. Right. Yeah. So I uh, like that's always playing in the back of my head and I don't know why or how it just like showed up, but it's like ingrained in my head now. Right. Um, but I don't. I don't necessarily think that reflecting on the past can always or always has to be a bad thing. Mm -hmm. um, I use, I, I do it a lot and it's for um, kind of like you said, when you do your uh, weekly recap of examining life, I like to think back like maybe five years where I was versus where I'm at now so that I can kind of have a, a progress stamp of where I'm at. And then it helps me kind of when I'm doing like, uh, ideas and goal setting for the future i'm not uh trying to make goals that are going to be uh, too big of a, a step right so that they won't be achievable yeah so i think if you just if you're in the past thinking about things and, and stuff like that use it as kind of a like a milestone marker um to compare and contrast not to dwell on things that you should have or could have you know don't right and start regretting your decisions because if you wouldn't have done it in the past you might do it now so yeah exactly you use it as a learning lesson to just become a better person yeah use it as fuel and i think that's part of our sobriety too is knowing you know what happened back then and never wanting that type of stuff to to come about again is it helps us stay where we are now as uh, we were we were all in some really dark places then and um, using it as a healthy way to um, advance in in sobriety and keep you from never going back again I think you're right is it's totally just use it as fuel to to keep going I think the other thing is um, 
Yeah, it's in the past, but it doesn't mean it has to be a negative thing. I mean, if you learn from it, you're going to get better. And if you keep thinking about it in a negative way, you're never going to be able to get past it. Right. Yep, absolutely. I like that uh, the one foot in the past and one foot in the future pissing on the present because because uh, and I, I say this often lately too is uh, the present is something that I try to live in a lot especially as of lately um, kind of going through a weird transition in my life that uh, I've been really stressed out about actually until this morning but um, just like if I think about the future, sometimes it's like you get so much anxiety and uh, you can stress over things that have never happened. And that's why I made a Facebook post the other day. I said something like, if you stress about the future, stress about future events too much, you're putting yourself through the same thing twice. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, I, I, I totally agree on living in the present and kind of taking life as it comes and just handling all of the events in the best way possible whether they be positive or negative it doesn't matter yeah absolutely yeah that's right there's another good one um so i i get into like the stoics you know like seneca and marcus aurelius and stuff like that it's like we suffer more in imagination than in reality mm. I think that really rang true with me a lot because our minds will think of these scenarios and we'll get anxious and, and, and it will cause things like what you're saying, something that hasn't even happened yet. And we eventually go through it. We, we go through it twice. So it was really, uh, really profound. Actually, when you said that, I just made the connection in my brain that the alcoholic brain or addicted brain in general thinks a lot like the, the person that has anxiety issues as well as the one that has the, uh, the overthinkers. Yeah. Yeah. Because they create this fantasy in their head that they're trying to live out. <laughs> right. It's, it's not, uh, it's not a good thing. No. Uh -uh. Yeah. I can relate to the overthinker as, uh, and my wife, I go back, Communicating, um, I, you know, it took me a long time to to know how to communicate effectively with other people, just because I, I always did it drunk or high, and so I had to learn how to communicate. And my first inclination or my first reaction to usually any situation was really shitty. It was really like negative or anger or something like that. So I had to learn to what if somebody was talking to me or a situation came up to process it before I reacted. So that would mean that I would have to kind of sit there and contemplate, think about it. Um, because I knew if I just reacted on something that it would be the wrong way. And it usually was, I either got in a fight with my wife or whoever I was talking to, or it was just a really bad reaction. So um, at first, when I started learning to do that and kind of process things before I reacted, I would sit and pause and people were just like, man, this guy's really quiet and awkward. But it's something that I had to do. Um, and now I, I've gotten obviously better at that. Um, but it just, you know, it really just goes back to, you know, once you start using and drinking, um, 
your kind of not necessarily maturity, but like your advancing in life kind of pauses mm-hmm. whenever you get really into that uh, state of addiction, active addiction, or whatever that is for you. And then when you stop, then you're kind of back at that same spot when you first started using and drinking your mentality, the way you think, the way you, you operate. And then if you were like me, I was like 15, 16, like you, when I kind of first started and things, you know, it was like, and then I got sober when I was 30. Yeah. Sober and clean when I was 30. So it almost is like I had to catch up and, and relearn things that I missed out on within that 15 year stint. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I know a lot of people that uh, have done like inpatient uh, rehab and even multiple times and uh, they're doing fine now, but during that whole process, it seemed like they really took a step back in their life just in general, whether it be career, Mm -hmm. you know, so I I totally agree with that. Um, It's uh, kind of a lot to think about <laughs> to it be really honest is. because you know it's for me it's still fresh you know i'm i'm only down what six months now something like that oh yeah so awesome man yeah yeah i also wanted to bring up the point too though um i'm gonna change topics just a little bit if people find out that somebody has an addiction or struggle with an addiction or they used to have an addiction of some sort um for whatever reason it kind of seems to make people gravitate towards them rather than away from them um i i was very very intoxicated one night and i kind of got emotional about how i let myself get as bad as i did and then i decided to join an aa meeting just to listen in and kind of see what they were about while I was intoxicated. And um, after I hung up at that meeting, I, I didn't say anything in there just out of respect, but I was like super emotional. So I just popped on the Facebook and I was like, Hey, I'm going to go sober. Like this is the start of my journey and whatever. And I didn't do it for anybody else. I did it for me, but I had probably like, a hundred and something messages in my inbox the next morning um and a good 10 percent of those were friends of mine saying hey i've got the same problem can we work through this together yeah (laughs) you know and it was it was uh shocking to say the least like you never know like i never had any idea the the percentage of people who have gotten sober Oh, it's huge. It's, it's it's astronomical. Like it huge. It blew my mind. And yeah. then just even the percentage of people that reached out that wanted to do the same thing. I was just blown away. Yeah. You know, our stories unite us and being vulnerable about what you've gone through in your life. Um, people can relate to that. And you know, it feels like alone because we, we chased off a lot of people. And we destroyed a lot of relationships. So, you know, during that time, we felt we were alone and a lot of us were. And um, once we get vulnerable about our journey and really open up about it, um, people can feel that and they can attach to that. 
And that helps them kind of open up where they're at and kind of assess their life and be like, well, shit, man, he, this guy's, you know, he's doing what I'm doing, you know, he's holding down a job or, or whatever it is, but you know, he's, he's making a decision to get this handled in his life. You know, maybe it's something I, I need to do too. So I think just being vulnerable and telling our stories and being open about it and letting people know, I mean, our stories can save people's lives. And I, I truly believe that. And, you know, I always share your story. You know, I used to be reluctant about it because I would worry about what people thought of me, but then I started just not caring. And then once I started not caring, I mean, the outpouring of people just either if they're struggling with addiction, if they're recovering, um, if they have somebody, I mean, I've had people reach out to me that say, we've been following you on Instagram or I've been following. And this is a wife who isn't an addict, isn't an alcoholic, but her husband is, and her husband struggles with it. Mm -hmm. She's like, you know, he doesn't, he's not on even on Instagram, but I've been following you and your journey because a lot of the things that you're posting about and telling with your story is eerily similar to what my husband is, is struggling with right now. So I wanted to let you know that I appreciate you sharing your journey and what you've gone through, because this is, this is not only helping people that have gone through addiction, it's helping the people that are going through addiction with the addict or alcoholic who aren't really in that. So um, it's just really profound because you never know who you can touch and who you can help. I agree. And you also never know how many people your, your actions are going to affect. Right. It could be, uh, like you said, the spouse, children, parents, even grandparents, friends, family, neighbors. Um, the impact is, is massive that you have on people. Um, there was one other thing I was going to say and I totally forgot it. Yeah. And I wanted to touch on that too, because, you know, addiction doesn't just, I mean, it, it affects everybody around you. Mm -hmm. And then I also read something too. I can't remember what book it was, um, but it's, it's a disease. We all know that, but it's like the only disease that pushes everybody away and you're left alone. You know, somebody comes down with cancer, the family comes together and is with you, you know, and, su and supports you. You know, we get to the point that we're suffering from a disease and it gets to the point where we're, you know, we're left alone. You know, we may have a couple of family members that, you know, are just around because it's family, but it was just a really unique perspective on that, that um, it's a lonely journey and we get to a really dark place and then just, you know, sharing your experiences can, uh, make a profound effect on people that reminded me of what i was going to say actually <laughs> um in complete honesty before i uh decided to hop into aa i had this weird um notion that it was just full of drug addicts and alcoholics really <laughs> like not necessarily um just that but like maybe like all thugs or, or criminals or you know just just bad people in general and once i got in there i was like that is not the case whatsoever um it was actually like the most 
accepting and, and inviting and understanding non non yeah non judgmental place I've ever been in my life yeah and uh, like the group that I was in there was some people that were uh, restaurant chain owners and and stuff like that that are going through the same thing like they're not all low life you know low level scum people you know? right. yeah <laughs> some of them are are uh, pretty wealthy entrepreneurs right <laughs> yeah uh, it was uh it was a really awakening experience for that uh that three months that i was in there yeah yeah i was really reluctant first time i stepped foot into one you know because i kind of thought the same thing as you and then you almost think to yourself you're like well <laughs> this is us suffering in imagination right you yeah. think about man i'm not those people you know why do i need to go to this and then you go in there you're like oh okay yeah uh, i'm accepted i'm these people these are my people so uh, it's, it's pretty cool yeah it's it's crazy how fast your perspective can change on something um as well as how how much we tend to judge things that we know nothing about mm. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah we get good at losing weight at jumping to conclusions sometimes <laughs> yeah that's right yeah <laughs> That's good. Well, we do have one scripted question. Um, and I think we're getting close to, well, we're at 45 minutes. So we'll start wrapping down a little bit. Sure. Uh, I'll let Brad go ahead since I've kind of taken over this one. Yeah. Well, no, I, I kind of kept quiet because, I mean, I haven't been through all of that. I kind of quit on my own. Um, and you guys were kind of rolling good. But uh, <laughs> so the question is, what is your personal idea or personal definition of success? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think it's finding, you know, what you're passionate about. I think it's, it's finding true happiness in life. Um, I think it's, you know, being okay with your past, being okay where you're at having gratitude for the things that you have and not always wanting more. And I think success is different for a lot of people. And, and if we get wrapped up in the success, I think I mentioned earlier, you know, I don't think money has anything to do with success. I think, uh, you know, living a life that uh, with passion and something that you can be proud of and finding ways to to help others and to give back i think uh that kind of sums up success for me i like it i can resonate with that a lot yeah yeah i like that a lot living a life that makes you happy and that you're passionate about is definitely up there for me <laughs> yeah that's just i think that's what it's all about and that's i think it's different for everybody i agree um i've i've kind of got this um not necessarily a notion, but I like to firmly believe that we were not uh, raised or holy crap words. We were not put on this planet already with big houses and buildings and companies and corporations and money and all this crap. We were, you know, I mean, look back at the cavemen, yeah. stuff like that. Uh, I don't think that we necessarily were designed to have jobs and waste our life away. 
So I like to get out and spend quality time with my family and stuff like that. And I think that that's a, a lot more fulfilling than buying my kids all the video games that they want. <laughs> exactly. I agree. Well, cool, man. Yeah, we're going to um, put all of your links up on the show notes. This episode will go up Monday. Awesome. And uh, I want to thank you so much for hopping on and, and being willing to talk to us. I had a really good time. I think that uh, we touched on a lot of topics. I do want to throw out for anybody listening, if you do struggle with anything as far as addiction goes or anything like that, that we can help out with, um, it could be anything from eating to porn to alcohol, drugs, whatever. Um, I know a lot of people that are willing to help and definitely reach out before it's too late. Absolutely. <laughs>